Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome into this episode of Big Drive Energy. I am your co-host at Big Drive Spence. And this podcast is brought to you by none other than DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app in the entire world. That's right. You heard that right. I am here with my co-host, Big Drive Mitch, a.k.a. Mitchell Smith, also my brother. Also, uh, Stick is a nickname I've got for him. We didn't talk about most of our nicknames last time, but uh, you can call him Stick, and that's just a term for a good golfer. So if you don't know what that means and somebody's really good, you can just call him a Stick and sound like you know what you're talking about. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. We just got done with work here about a half hour, 40 minutes ago, so fresh off a, a hot shop shift, so that was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the shop shifts are... There's a lot of stuff that's said in these, and we've talked about them on the pods before, but we're definitely going to have to do like an entire episode of just writing down hilarious shit people say. If you guys saw our Twitter today, some guy was having issues with his card, and then he ended up telling us about the issues he's had with his card at uh, Del Frisco's with a with a woman. So, that's yeah, it. here, I'll, I'll tell it real quick. The dude, he asked me if we accepted American Express, and I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, my other card's not working. He get, he's like, I went on a first date last week. At Del Frisco's, my car doc got declined, and uh, he was like, "Fucking, what did he say? Oh yeah, he's like fucking brutal." <laughs> he, he was like, and the chick was out of my league, anyways, and that, that just sealed the deal right there. That oh, we were all dying. It was so good. Yeah, it's it's always nice to get that like guy that comes in that's just having a good day, having a good time, and you can just kind of BS with him, and, versus the people that. Um, are just cranky and you ask him hey how you doing sir 1024 it's like all right dude blow me like i was just 
I was just trying to. I was just trying to be nice, and and yeah, I'll go fuck myself. Essentially, is what that comes down to. Um, So a lot of stuff to get into from the world of golf this week. The PGA Tour, of course, wrapping up the pot as we always do. We'll give you guys our DraftKings Sportsbook Picks of the Week. Uh, Had a great week last week. We'll get into that. And we'll also tweet these out along with with the podcast, but we'll also tweet them out right after we record this podcast. It's now Wednesday night. Um, This will go out tomorrow, but... You'll listen to it tomorrow or whenever you do, but we'll tweet out the picks for you guys. And also, um, want to real quick say happy Women's in Sports Day. Um, I know that's a big deal. Women are slowly breaking through. Kim NG, uh, Inge, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I butchered it. I probably should have looked that up. But uh, Ing, that's perfect. Uh, she's recently become a GM in uh, the Marlins for the Marlins. So. The uh, women are breaking into sports. I'm assuming Becky Hammond, the assistant coach for the Spurs, will be an NBA coach before too long. So it's cool that they get a day. It should be all year, but happy National Women's in Sports Day to all those ladies out there that are uh, grinding. And, you know, I know in our company, especially Michaela, Lindsay, Allie, all grinding to do and make what DNVR is uh, and make it so great. So thank you to all the ladies that love sports just as much as guys do. You know, it's a common misconception uh, nowadays essentially but uh, a lot of women I know not a lot of women but a good amount of women I know know sports include you know including my girlfriend or fiance I guess I should say now uh, she knows just about as much of sports as a lot of guys that claim they do out there I always hear nonsense arguments and she'll put them in her place so that's how I know I found the one right there yeah absolutely well and, and Kylie's your fiance and also Allie we all know her from DNVR. They both both have got the golf bug pretty bad. They're they're really getting into the game, which is awesome to see. Yeah, 2020 was a huge year for that, as we'll hear from Rory McIlroy here in a bit. But really cool to see not only you know dudes getting into golf, but girls as well, because it makes for a big a big it's a big help for a lot of guys. Like if your girlfriend wants to go golfing instead of like oh, I'm going golfing, you can just ride in the cart. It's like, oh, cool, you know. It's like, you want to come along with me and play, and then it makes it a lot more fun and something you guys, it's something couples can do together. So, Yeah, I know some guys prefer to play with their significant other, and some guys do not. So kind of personal preference there, but it is, like you said, something that you can do together. And then if she plays golf, you can invite her, and if she doesn't want to come, well, then she's missing out. You know what I mean? It's not like... It's not like you can't invite her because she doesn't know how, so that's always a, a benefit. Exactly. And uh, so news from the PGA Tour. We had a couple of big stories from this past weekend. Of course, Patrick Reed taking home the Farmers Insurance Open title, um, but not without skirting the rules a bit. And uh, then his wife getting on his burner account at Used Golf Facts. Um, Patrick Reed's like... I was listening to another pod, and they were just talking about like how Patrick Reed's the villain of golf, and you kind of need a guy like that. So it's like you don't want to get Patrick Reed necessarily out of the game, but this kind of stuff is just what drives like true golf fans just a little mad, and I think it, it annoys a lot of the players on tour as well. And so why don't we get into Patrick Reed, uh, the cheater, basically. We all know that guy that cheats at golf, and I just want to say before we get into too much of Patrick Reed, Cheating at golf is fine. Like, it's I, we're, I'm not like you know 
as long as you're not collecting a $1.8 million paycheck at the end of it. Right, no, exactly. There, there's two things that bother me about cheating. One, doing it in a tournament, because when you're cheating or you see somebody else cheating and you don't say anything, you're, you got to protect the rest of the field. That's, I think, the biggest issue from it. And you got to think of it as you're protecting yourself, but you're also protecting the field from some guy that's skirting the rules. The rules of golf are there. It's just like you can't all of a sudden, you know, step out of bounds in football and be and they them not catch it essentially. So uh, cheating is fine. It's I don't like I should I should think or like I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but cheating in the in a casual fun round and making the game more fun for yourself, kicking the ball out of the behind the tree instead of wrapping your club around it, things like that. I totally, you know, support that. Whatever make the, makes the game fun for you, being an amateur or whatever you are. But uh, when it comes to a a tournament round, it's not acceptable in one, whatsoever. And b when you cheat, but then tell people you shot a score when you cheated. That's just it's just not like that's like in a Papa shot saying you got 150 and you reached your arm across the way and dunked every ball in. It's the same thing, you know, like. I don't care if you cheat. I really don't give a shit if people cheat. Like, but when it comes to like cheating, and then you come in and brag about your score, that's a whole nother story. So on to Patrick but, Reed, Mitchell. Why don't you? I, I was gonna say real quick. That's the fun thing about golf is eventually cheaters get exposed. So you're really just screwing yourself in the long run because everybody cheated a little bit in high school. You know, when they were growing up, everybody's competitive and. Not a lot of kids have that much integrity. I, I for one, will say that I did cheat when I was younger. Um, it kind of worked its way out of my system once I got to high school, and I got good enough to where I didn't feel the need to cheat. <laughs> That's kind of part of it, too. Some people, once you're good enough, you're really like, why am I cheating? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, but a lot of people do cheat. Like, it, it is what it is. And like Spencer said, uh, it really doesn't matter to anybody until – you come in bragging about your score and, and then people are like, Oh, well let's go play then. Let's see it for real. And it always comes out in the wash. I played with this kid who told me he hadn't shot above par for whatever the entire summer. And he's talking about beating me, blah, blah, blah. And we go out and just play a quick nine holes and I shoot like 35. Um, and he shot like 42. I'm like, okay. And he, you can always tell when somebody's a cheater um, when they're playing just a round of golf with you and they're like, oh, I, this is the worst I played all year. This is the worst I played all year. It's like, no, dude, this is your golf game. Like, Yeah, like, this is what happens it. when somebody else is watching you. I saw yeah, so, soak it up, man. You're, you're a 12 handicap. And I, I'm not by any means saying that that's a bad thing, but when you're claiming your scratch and you're actually about a 10 that's just a real tough scene exactly i actually saw a funny meme golf memes are great and i watching the uh denver dnvr rockies guys today talk do like a whole meme episode i i hatched an idea that we should do that because there are some great golf memes out there but well i saw a golf meme that was like uh from a caddy basically and it was like a player quotes I've never played this bad before, which how many times have you heard that playing with someone? And then the caddy goes, sir, I'm, I wasn't sure you had ever played before. And that's, <laughs> and that's just like exactly how it is. Like you can, when you tell like a cheater will go out and shoot, like you said, whatever the number is exponentially higher than they always say they shoot and then tell you that they've never played that bad before every time. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's it's quite the trip. And so Patrick Reed's kind of an anomaly in that sort, in that sense, because he uh, obviously he's a world class player, and it so that kind of makes him look even worse. Um, and he's like Spencer called him a villain, and that's very true. He is the villain of golf now, but that it's not the good kind of villain. Like Tiger used to be the villain because he just beat the shit out of everyone. Like, nobody liked him on tour because he beat the piss out of everyone. They just got sick of losing to him. But Patrick Reed is legitimately skirting the rules now. And he's and, and the real issue of it, too, is he's had a history of it. So anytime he even remotely comes close to breaking a rule, everybody's eyes are on it because he's gotten that stigma attached to his name. And it's his own fucking fault. So I'm not like... I'm not covering for him by any means, but... His wife um, is, though, with that burner account. Oh, yeah, dude. His, the only people who work for him are his wife and her family. Like, her, her wife's... His brother-in-law is his caddy. His wife's his manager and was his caddy. The dude can't even hire a fucking caddy out on tour who's much more capable than his brother-in-law. Um, and think about this. I mean, Reed's career earnings have to be somewhere north of... I'd say $25 million at least. So that caddy in the last, I think he's been on tour the last 8, 9, 10 years, that caddy's probably making um, at least two hundred k a year, two hundred fifty k a year. That's a pretty good living. Uh, yes, all-time he's, all time, all time he's 29th in the all-time money list, just ahead of KJ Choi. He's earned over $33.5 million on tour. Okay, so yeah, if you've been with him his whole career, you made over $3 million in the last 10 years caddying for a PGA Tour player. And he still can't find anybody that even wants to be on his bag because he's that insufferable. So that really goes to tell you something. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there that seem like total dickheads like Ian Poulter or like, uh, I mean, the list goes on. Retief, not Retief Goose. And who's the, Stuart Appleby or Robert Appleby, Robert Allenby, I forget. The one who passed out in Hawaii and got all fucked up, and I, I don't know. Do you remember that story? I don't. Uh, he basically blacked out and, like, woke up on the sidewalk. Um, but whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he Casual round. Like, yeah, he had to, like, withdraw from a tournament, or he got with, he got DQ'd because he, I don't know, he was missing teeth and shit. Anywho, there's a lot of dickheads out there on two roads. Let's put it that way. And the fact that Reed can't even get it somebody to caddy for him outside of his family. And, you know, I don't hate keeping the money in the family. Like, if I was out on tour, I'd probably spread the wealth. I'd probably have Spudsy on the bag. I'd be on but, that uh, bag. Hell yeah. Yeah, he'd be fucking pissing me off. He'd probably make it about one tournament, and then I'd be like, dude, I can't do this. But, <laughs> um, anywho, to give you – this has taken a while to get to this point. Sorry, we're, we're a little off track tonight. But uh, basically what he did was – his ball, he thought it was embedded, um, quote, air quotes, embedded, in the rough. Well, and, and for those of people who don't know, just explain embedded as well. Yeah, so embedded ball is 100% of the time, if an embedded ball, there. okay, let me restart the sentence, I apologize. If a ball is flying through the air and lands directly into the ground and part of the ball is embedded, under the top level, top surface of the ground, in its own pitch mark. Like, if it just flies and just sticks right there, you get free relief from that. But Patrick Reed's drive that he hit, that ended up in the rough, hit the cart path multiple times, 
greatly softening the blow that the ball was going to create when it hit the ground. Like It, it also bounced in the grass. Yeah, so it, it hit the cart path, hit the grass, and then he thought it was embedded. Like, you'd have to have a swamp in order to embed a ball that had already bounced twice and then finally hit the ground. So no, no shot it was embedded. But then he takes the liberty of reaching down and grabbing his ball and uh, identifying it, I think is what he said. And first of all, that's a big old fucking no no. Like this isn't this isn't your weekend muni round. Like there, all these fairways aren't combined. Like oh, is this somebody's ball from the other hole? You know, and nobody in your group hit it there. It's he knows it's his ball. There is no question in his mind it's his ball. But he picks it up to either identify it or see if it's plugged. And I, I we've talked about it before. I've always said I don't even touch. I don't do anything until I call a rules official over. Because then it's not your problem, it's the rules official's problem. And if he gives you a shit ruling, he gives you a shit ruling. If he gives you a good ruling, it's not on you, it's on him. But he decides to pick his ball up and then call a rules official over. And while he had already moved his ball, basically, and then uh, he tried to place it nearest to the area. I don't know, dude, it was just such a shit show. And and just to give you a, a little background on Patrick Reed real quick, um, he got kicked out of University of Georgia for uh, basically partying. He got caught like underage. I mean, who didn't do that? But uh, then he was accused of stealing from his teammates' locker room at Georgia, like a watch, four hundred bucks cash, and a few other things. A laptop, I think. Um, or no, that was Cam Newton was the laptop. Never mind. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, he got kicked out of Georgia basically. So then he went to Augusta State which is in Augusta, Georgia, um, not a very well-known golf program, but then he proceeds to go on and win two national titles and actually backtrack it a little bit. At Georgia, he was accused multiple times, and his teammates were guys like Harris English, Russell Henley, um, a lot of big names. I mean, tour guys, they have they year in, year out have a really good program, and they have come out and said, not necessarily those guys, but some of his former teammates have said they, they caught him cheating in a Monday qualifier um, or at a, yeah, Monday qualifier for a college event. They caught him cheating in other rounds, you know, when a lot of people weren't around. And so his integrity was pretty much in question ever since he started college. And then he went to Augusta State and his teammates hated him so much at Augusta State. So they won two national titles back-to-back years in 2010-2011. And it was his teammates were openly saying that they wanted it. So basically, quick recap: uh, the NCAA golf championship is a match play format. Um, it's like a points total, like the Ryder Cup or whatever. And so, both years it came down to the last match. Um, and the first year they won in twenty ten, it was against Peter Uline, which is one of the best collegiate golfers ever. Um, really, he, his dad's the uh, CEO of Titleist, basically. Anywho, um, Patrick Reed beat the absolute shit out of Peter Uline, but his teammates came out and said before both national titles that it came down to his match play round, and they were rooting openly for him to lose because that's how much they hated him. Like that's how disliked he was by his own teammates and they were on the verge of breaking history they won i mean they won back-to-back national titles 
but these guys cared more about Reed losing than they cared about him uh, winning a national title, basically, with his name on it. So it just goes to show you he's been in question quite a few times. Then you have the waste bunker incident a couple years back, or where he thought it was a waste bunker, openly, openly, excuse me, getting a little worked up. He openly grounded his club in a regular bunker and then played dumb, and he said he thought it was a waste bunker. It clearly wasn't. Um, But then you always see him, like even Peter Costas came out, the longtime golf announcer, came out on uh, No Laying Up, another popular golf podcast, and said that he witnessed multiple times Patrick Reed improving his lies, uh, setting his club directly behind the ball and fluffing it in order to, to give himself a lie. And so the list just goes on and on, and it really is kind of a, a black eye for him. Um, and the PJ Tour is just so private about this shit. They don't come out and announce anything. They don't even announce when, like, DJ was going on a coke bender, and they're like, he's going to take a little leave from tour. Like, they didn't say anything about what it was about. Like, the dude was partying his ass off. He was on a bender. He probably failed multiple drug tests, and they just don't come out and say that. They protect their players because they're basically protecting their own brand. But, yeah, it, it, the, the the tour really isn't going to do anything because what kind of black eye would have put on the tour to be like, yeah, the guy who just won this week openly cheated, and we don't stand for it. Like, they're not going to do anything about it. So, what you know, what can they say? Yeah, they basically – golf has a real – like. Other athletes in other sports are lifted up. Of course, guys like Mahomes, LeBron James, things like that. But in golf, you really have to, especially when a guy goes out and wins on tour, like you said, you can't just publicly defamate his character as a tour because that's what, that'll get less and less people watching. They already struggle with ratings compared to other pro sports, and it's golf. We get that. It's not as popular of a sport. But for how many people that play golf, and especially in the last year how that's grown – for the lack of people that watch golf, and rightfully so, it's not that fun to watch. If you know what you're watching, and you can get now, nah, we can bet on the DraftKings Sportsbook app in Colorado legally and bet on golf. It makes it a lot more fun and interesting. But not a lot of people watch golf, and you can't you can't go on and alienate your players and the guys that are winning and making supposed to make the game fun and exciting for people to watch. If if they're cheating, like I mean, if they openly do something wrong, you can shame them, but something like this, a lot of golf rules are just so in the weeds in general that it makes it hard to nail down things and nail down someone like Patrick Reed on this, and and it makes it even worse that he won by five shots, you know. It's just like kind of just lapped the field, essentially. Well, yeah, but I would like to also file a formal protest against the PGA Tour because I had Victor Hovland at plus 3,050 to win that, and if he would have gotten DQ'd on Friday... Uh, Victor Hovland would have at least been in a playoff to win the title, and that cost me a few dollars or possibly hundreds of dollars. So um, definitely f- going to file a formal protest. And that's the crazy thing is, like, you're affecting livelihoods in the, the grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? You're Like, imagine Patrick Reed takes away a qualifying spot from a kid in Georgia. The kid goes on and wins the tournament. He gets catapulted to the PGA Tour. There's such a trickle-down effect of these actions that and then then there's other guys on tour right now that are like seeing what Patrick Reed's doing and they're so worked up about it that they don't even worry about their end game and I know that sounds stupid but 
when you see somebody cheating, it really distracts you, and it takes a lot in you to not just kind of come out publicly and be like, this is bullshit, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, like, even I've, Xander Schauffele said something to the effect of, oh, he's pro- Patrick Reed's protected by the tour, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So just a, overall a real bad look for him. Um, not, not something to be too impressed over, and people calling him Captain America... Like, he's a great match play player. He's a bulldog. He's he's the Ian Poulter of America. Like, he's great at what he does. But to, to go out and, like you said, he won the tournament by five. If he would have taken a drop there, taken a one-stroke penalty, and, you know, who knows the triple-down effect of that, if his round goes south from there or whatever. But in, in a vacuum, he still would have won by three or four shots. You know what I mean? So it really didn't affect the outcome. Which is looks even worse on his part, because then why why would you cheat? You know, if if you're winning a tournament by five shots, and I guess it just comes back to the competitive nature of it, but not something we agree with on a professional scale. And also, if you're playing a money game with your buddies, let's just put it this way: if money's involved, don't cheat. If no money's involved, nobody gives a shit. But when it comes down to if you're taking money out of your buddy's pocket because you cheated or fucked your lie or whatever. That's bullshit, flat out. And same thing goes to the PGA Tour. I don't care if it's a million dollars or ten dollars. You know what I mean? That's just have some have some integrity. Let's be real. Yeah, golf is a game of integrity, for sure. <laughs> We've got integrity. <laughs> All right, so we'll move off to Patrick Reed, his whole wife, his burner, whatever. Uh, pretty interesting story on the PGA Tour, but something else came up, and this is more geared towards the entire world of, world of golf this week. Uh, Golf Digest wrote a little article yesterday, and it's kind of an equipment article basing, basically talking about what the RNA and USGA are going to do apparently in the next couple of years. Uh, I know, uh, I want to say it was five to ten years ago, they came out with a rule basically stopping equipment, equipment manufacturers like from making a certain type of grooves on wedges. And they outlawed certain a certain depth of grooves and certain size of grooves so you couldn't spin the ball as much. And it looks like they're kind of going in this way too, but I think a lot of the RNA and the older guys looking at the game of golf from a small lens, we'll hear from Rory McIlroy in a second, but they're worried about the PGA Tour hitting it far. But as Rory said, it's it's not the these aren't the guys you need to be worried about. Like, yes, does it suck? Some courses are getting what shouldn't be just torn up by these guys. Yeah, but they're great. They're they're the top 1% of 0.1% of golfers. And so what the RNA is trying to do is they're serious about rolling back distance and I'm reading kind of from the Golf Digest article. I won't bore you with too much of this, but um, the Mike Mike Davis, the USGA CEO said this is problem this problem, quote unquote, obviously didn't happen overnight. We're not looking to solve it overnight, but we are looking to solve it. So it's a lot of this is kind of uh, in foggy eyes right now. We can't really tell too much of what they're going to do, but a lot of equipment manufacturers are going to be on notice, essentially, for possibly dialing back drivers and only allowing a max distance of 46 in a competitive round, of course. Max um, length. Or max, yes, max, max length and tabling it at 46 inches from 48. And... It says possible tweaks of how drivers are tested for spring-like effects and how balls are tested in the overall distance standard. Um, and so it's 
even if these are agreed to, it's following a six-month review period, and these changes have a minimal effect. Will have a minimal effect on driving distance at the elite level, um, but it will have a bigger effect on driving distance and people's accuracy at the amateur or lower level. And so let's get into. Let's hear from Roy McIlroy. Uh, he woke up in a mood, as he'll say at the end of this interview. But this is what Rory had to say about um, in his press conference about the distance report, the insight report from the USGA. needs to happen in examining equipment standards and possibly rolling them back. Does it? Um, it certainly doesn't need to happen. Um, and I think, I said this in there, so I feel the RNA and USGA are looking at golf through a tiny, narrow little lens that pertains to 0.1% of golfers. Yes, of course the ball goes a long way with top-level professionals and top-level amateurs and, and the guys that sort of make their living playing this game, but 99.9% of golfers don't do that. And they they don't want the ball to go shorter. They don't, they, you, we, they need help getting the ball in the air for it going further. I mean, golf has had an unbelievable boom in 2020. I mean, it's been, like, this pandemic has been so good for golf. And the fact that they're looking at the wrong thing, they spent millions of dollars doing this distance insights report, which I think is, it's not going to change the game at all. You know, they might put new regulations on manufacturers. Manufacturers are going to find a way to get around them. That's just, that's how good they are. So those millions of dollars that were spent in the distance insights report should, should have been put back into the grassroots of the game because golf is experiencing a boom. So we need more younger people in the game. We need more minorities in the game. That is... That's how we keep the game going for the next hundred years, not by looking at the ball and looking at the driver. And that's my whole thing with it. I think it, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, it reeks of self-importance. And that sort of, that's not, yes, they're the gatekeepers of the game, and they're, but, but their job is to, yes, make sure that the game thrives in a hundred years' time, and this is not the way to do it. The way, the, the, the way to do it is by getting more people into the game, by, by, by making it more by making golf more approachable. And if you're just piling and piling rules on the people the entire time, that doesn't make it approachable. Oh, just getting going. I know it. God. Oh. I, um, I woke up in a mood. I just am keeping it going. <laughs> yeah, that's a great interview. That You love hearing candid words like that. You know, we, we rarely get that anymore. It's usually just pretty boilerplate bullshit. But uh, they they really got Rory going there. And, and it really is the truth, in all honesty. Um, what, I, I don't know what you think, Spence, but I 100% agree. Their, their money could be spent in so many better places in the golf, uh, golf world as a whole. Well, I think the one part that really stood out to me is it reeks of self-importance. And like he said, he may be getting a fine under the table or whatever from that. But... There's these guys that, like any club too, it boils down to like small clubs. A lot of the people that make the rules in golf are these 60, 70-year-old men sitting around a board meeting deciding what's good. And like I said, maybe the rules of golf is the same way or it definitely is the same way, but I'm speaking from a club experience. A lot of the leagues that are ran, a lot of all this little stuff and all the rules and deciding factors and handicaps are all ran by a bunch of guys that... First of all, I've never really played the game professionally, never been that into golf. They just think that they can 
sit at home all day and read Golf Digest and watch the Golf Channel and read rule books and decide what's best for all the players. And usually that amounts to a whole lot of self-importance where people like to think they're more important than they are. And, and in golf, it's just one of those things that has created, like Rory said, such a barrier. And why don't we need to be more worried about inclusion, getting more women into the game, getting a lot of kids into the game, getting minorities in the game. You know, how many black players are there on tour? There's not that many. It, and there's a ton of kids that hopefully are inspired and even middle, you know, not middle age, but like teenagers and young 20-year-olds that are inspired by guys like Tiger Woods that, you know, you don't have, it doesn't matter what, you know, black, white, purple, blue, whatever color, race, ethnic, ethnicity, gender, whatever you are, you can play golf. And like Rory said, it's just super important for the game of golf. The business of golf and the game of golf thrive on everybody wanting to play it. The more people that want to play it, the more it thrives. You know, you don't have to be an elite level athlete to go play golf. And we all enjoy our runs at the Lifetime Fitness or things like that where we can just go play basketball or we enjoy going out and playing beer league hockey or beer league soccer. Everybody enjoys that. That was an athlete at one point or another and just enjoys the sport. And golf is the same way and it's just getting... It, it slowly... Their rule change that they rolled out in 2019 to make it a lot simpler was good and they need to keep going in that way where, yes, golf is a very serious sport for players that play for millions of dollars. We, we, we don't doubt that. Those athletes are trained and, and live their lives, live eat, sleep, and breathe golf, but for the people that just want to play for fun and enjoy it, making the game harder, making the ball not go as far, making the ball not perform as well, or drivers not perform as well, is only going to push people away, and that's what we've, we, like we've said a million times on this podcast, that's why we started this podcast, that's why we want to get people our age and followers of, you know, DNVR people and people that are younger that are, maybe don't know that much about the game of golf to realize that it is a lot of the time you know there are some rules and there's some etiquette that you need to learn but you only learn that by going out and playing and trying it sitting at home reading a rules book or an etiquette book or what to do never is the the same for experiencing it and being out on the golf course and how great it is yeah i i totally agree with that and going back to the um the the self-righteousness of of kind of the rules and the directors of the rules. Um, it almost reminds me a little bit of the MLB. The PGA Tour does. They they kind of hold this tradition so deep that they think the game should be played like it was played back in the origination in the 30s and the 40s. Like everybody just has this deep sense of, not wanting to change, everything can stay the same. And that's where it is in the golf world. I mean, I know baseball, we're huge baseball fans, and some of these rules are like, you're literally making this game less watchable. And that's essentially what they're trying to do with golf because they're such traditionalists that they can't see the forest for the trees here. They they are so locked in on, on shortening uh, guys off the tee that – they don't understand what it's doing for ratings. They don't understand what it's doing for the overall game. And it's like that old saying, you evolve or die. And, and eventually, if the golf uh, world doesn't decide to evolve, it will die because it's going to consistently lose players. And last year, like you said, was a great shot in the arm for the game of golf. And and where has the golf world capitalized on that at all? They haven't. They have not done that whatsoever. Um 
and that's really the disappointing fact of the matter uh, that we can't figure out, like you said, any more ways to include more uh, genders and more races and just be more inclusive in general. It doesn't matter who you are. It's a welcoming game and we're just trying to make it fun. So these guys are like the no fun club. I think we need to come up with an acronym for PGA Tour. The RNA uh, and the USGA. Yeah, yeah. It it just doesn't make any sense. So uh, some really good words from Rory, though. It's, It's a lot of fun to hear a guy actually speak his mind. And he's one of the few guys who has enough money where... It doesn't matter how hard they want to try to hit him in the pocketbook. He's got that kind of scratch laying around at his house, so he's not too worried. Yeah, he'll just go out and win a few more tournaments and continue to be a top 10 world worldwide player and, and line his own pocketbooks. But in any sport, in golf especially, that when they do press conferences, it's great to hear, like you said, hear things like that because it's it, you don't you don't get it a lot anymore. It's so, oh, we have to be... Not necessarily PC, but we have to say what our team or organization or governing bodies want us to say. And when you come, when somebody kind of just flies off the handle like that, going at their bosses or essentially or people that govern the game that they play, it's it's super refreshing. So, absolutely, I I thought it was awesome. Love love the whole interview. All right, so now we're gonna finish up this pod with our DraftKings pick of the weeks, picks of the week. Um, Last week, we had a good week, finally. We, we we got off the schneid. We had an even week two weeks ago on the tour. Last week, we lost four units approximately, give or take, depending upon how much you're putting on a guy to win a tournament, which we tell you is a sprinkle, maybe a quarter unit, a couple bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, something like that, but nothing crazy. And the Farmers Insurance Open was a great one, other than the actual winner of the tournament. We, uh, we both had some top tens. And um, it ended up being an, a positive week for us. So essentially, you're going to want to hop on the DraftKings Sportsbook. And before we give you our picks for the week, I want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. So as we all know, 55th Super Bowl is this weekend. And DraftKings is not only doing their daily, you know, you can bet millions of things. You can bet on a fat man touchdown. Um, but they're finishing off the football season with a no-brainer offer to all you new players. So go in there, log in, use the sign-up code DNVR, and all you have to do is bet the game, and as long as one team scores a touchdown and Patrick Mahomes versus Brady, that's going to happen, you get to cash out. So all it takes is one touchdown, scored Sunday, and your money is doubled. It's called a no-brainer bet. It's going to happen. There's not very many of these, and when you get the opportunity to have one, you got to jump on it. Um... Basically, don't and there's also a really cool thing. Ryan and uh, Andre had the guy from DraftKings Sportsbook on their DNVR bets pod this week, um, but they're doing a prediction challenge worth up to 55 million in total prizes and instant prizes for everybody who enters the contest. So, it's uh, a fourth quarter prediction thing. I already put my lineup in. There's a bunch of different things you can predict on, and somebody's going to win a million dollars. So. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the Super Bowl. Spoiler, there will be. And must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash prediction dash challenge dash DFS for details. Gambling problem? Call 
4,700. All right, so a little recap of last week. Um, Mitchell had Victor Hovland in the top 10, which was, I believe... He finished second. Uh, he was plus 350. Checks notes, plus 350. So uh, you bet 10, you win 45 on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And I had Will Zalatoris plus... Three, uh, plus 250 to be in the top 20. He finished in the top 10 even. He was tied for 7th. So another winner there at plus 250. So we were uh, 4 units. We won last week. We gave out 6 picks, but 4 1-unit picks, So which 2 winners. So basically we were up 2 units. And then our winners picks were both Hovland and Tony Finau, who were sitting right there at the top of the leaderboard after Friday night and into late Saturday and then fell off to Patrick Cheater reader the cheater um and so unfortunately we didn't hit any of the winners yet but we will we are determined to give you guys some this week so mitchell uh let's start with your picks all right so this week they are down in the desert they are playing the waste management phoenix open and it's always one of the most fun tournaments of the year to watch mostly because the spectators obviously that's not going to be the same this year they only got Um, five thousand in per day this year yeah so that I mean, I'm sure they'll still get rowdy if they're selling booze or whatever, but it's still going to be fun. It will be interesting to see how the course plays a little different without all the grandstands. It'll look a lot different on TV if you're watching. Um, So I've got, for this week, I've got Max Home at a top 10 at plus 550. He's a uh, California kid, but I think he lives down in the desert. One of the best follows on Twitter. And he's not playing terribly great right now but you never know he he's, has played there multiple times i mean a lot of these guys are natives to the area or, or live in that area and play it a lot so i like max homa simply because uh you know it's kind of a crapshoot at the end of the day and i just like i like my guy max homa plus 550 to top 10 and then my other two picks are a little on the nose but their odds are where they're at because they're that good so it's it's Rory's first appearance at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but it is definitely a bomber's course. It's fairly wide open. Not a whole lot of precision is required. Um, we've both personally played there, and I can say from experience, I don't think I missed a fairway. Um, that's fairly standard, but anywho, uh, Rory's going to bomb it out there. It's dry. It's in the desert. It's at a little bit of an altitude, so... I really like Rory to top five at a plus 275. The odds kind of suck, but there's a reason they kind of suck because Rory's one of the three best players in the world. So uh, everyone kind of expects him to go out there and, and play well every week. And I think he's going to top five at a plus 275 this week. And then the king of Tempe, um, the king of Arizona State, John Rahm, is going to win this event. And he's odds on favorite, but there's a reason he is because he's played this course a shitload. He went to ASU. Um, everyone's probably heard the story before, but he's plus 625 to win it, and I, I really don't see somebody beating him on this course. I mean, it, it probably will happen. He probably won't win, but um, now that I am fading my own picks mid-podcast, but I really do think in a vacuum uh, John Rom should win there probably the majority of the time. So I'm going John Rom to, to win it at plus 625. I love it. And, yeah, I was actually down in Scottsdale last weekend 
got to play the Champions course. Of course, they shut down the um, the players stadium. or the stadium course for the week, uh, so the tour players could play. We saw a few different guys on the putting green that were playing this week, and um, they're out there grinding. Scottsdale was beautiful. I did shoot a, a calm seventy four on the um, Champions course. No big deal. I was a couple over going into the eighth hole, decided it was time to shotgun a White Claw, so I shotgunned a White Claw, almost threw up, and then proceeded to rattle off birdies on 8, 9, and 10, so no big deal, it can be done down there, and I'm going to give you guys some picks for this week, roll with these, I'm feeling good, I did my research, I was sitting at work today doing um, extensive research, so there's no way these lose, disclaimer, there is a very good chance these all lose. All right, so I'm going to ride my boy from last week, Will Zalatoris. Uh, he's coming off T7 last week. Him to be in the top 10 is plus 400 this week, so bet 10 to win 40. Uh, he's ninth in distance and 7th in scoring average and 5th in strokes gained T to green and strokes gained total on tour. So a good course for a guy, like you said, a bomber's course. If they're gaining strokes T to green and approach shots, that's a perfect perfect match for this guy. I think Will Zalatoris continues his little hot streak he's on, just starting up on the PGA Tour and finishes in the top 10 this week. Um, another guy, not the greatest odds, but Daniel Berger in the top 10. He's played in two events in the calendar year of 2021, and he's gotten 10th and 7th. Um, he's been top 11 in three of the four events he's played at TPC Scottsdale, so horse for a course here essentially is what I'm looking at. And... He's six on the tour in birdie average per round. So, uh, if you're a top ten on tour in any stat, that's one of good one to have. He just hopefully he keeps the bogeys down this week, and if he continues to make birdies at that clip, I think he's a lock for the top ten. Uh, Xander Schauffele, my boy X Man, I bet on him a lot last year, and I'm going to continue to ride him as well. Him to be in the top ten is only plus one twenty, so ten dollars to win twelve. Essentially, if you're looking at it that way, get your money back. Um, he's he uh, has been no worse, no worse, excuse me, no worse than seventeenth uh, in his the last six events he's played. So he's played six events. He's gotten seventeenth twice, I believe, and then top a couple of top tens, a couple of top fives. Shot up the leaderboard last weekend again, and um, so he finished T two. He's ninth in strokes gained putting on tour, and he's second in on tour in total strokes gained. So. Great pick here, great week for X-Man. Hopefully he wins it. I'm just taking him top 10. And then a winner, I'm just going with a hunch here. Uh, Sun JM's kind of broken out on tour the last couple of months, starting with the Masters. Um, he's plus 3,400, so you risk a dollar, you win 34 on Sun JM to win the tournament. Uh, he was 7th here in 2019, and this 2021 PGA Tour season, he's made the most birdies of anyone on tour. So, uh, kind of going with the birdie birdie guys here. I feel like he makes a lot this week. Um, I expect the winner to be probably what you say around 13 to 17 under, maybe at this course by the end of the weekend. I'd probably say close to closer to 20. Closer I'd to go, 20. I go low 20s, 21, 22, somewhere in that area. Okay, so we're gonna have a birdie fest here at TPC Scottsdale on the uh, stadium course and. I think Sun JM's got a good chance to win it, and at, at those kind of odds, plus 3,400, why wouldn't you take it? So, I, real, I really have to say quick, though, that uh, the conditions down there might be a little different. Um, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to the weather forecast, but Scottsdale's gotten a little snow in the last couple weeks and uh, some cooler temperatures, so it may be playing a little softer. 
which will still benefit the bombers. <laughs> but it, it is going to look a little different. Everybody thinks the desert's crazy firm. It's been raining a shitload down there and actually snowed a little bit. The temperature's been low. So it uh, should be a little bit different look this week than in, in prior uh, waste managements in years past. Wasted managements. There's going to be hopefully still some great videos coming from that tournament because there has been some good ones from the fans. And 16's a riot. When COVID's over, I fully plan on us going down there and enjoying a weekend at the wasted management. So. Oh, 100%. 100%. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Big Drive Energy. Once again, if you haven't or don't, follow us on Twitter at Big Drive Spence, at Big Drive Mitch, at DNVR underscore golf. We got a lot of exciting stuff coming for you guys in the next couple of months into this summer. Uh, tournaments, DNVR meetups, stuff like that. So we plan on making this a big year for the DNVR golf scene and, and building on last year in 2020 what was a great year for golf and only making it go and making it better this year. So appreciate you guys all listening. We'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully give you some more winners and talk about the winners we gave you this week. Until next time, we are out.